thank you very much. Thank you for letting me be here today. My family and I live in a communist country in Southeast Asia called the Lao PDR. Uh, We are engaged in something called business as mission. BAM, business as mission. BAM. (laughs) Business as mission um, basically is defined as this. Business as mission is about real, viable, sustainable, and profitable businesses with a kingdom of God purpose, perspective, and impact, leading to a transformation of people and societies, spiritually, economically, socially, to the greater glory of God. It means that as we decide what businesses to to choose to run and make different business decisions, that we run all of those different decisions through the filter of, is this decision going to bring me closer to my goal, to our goal that we've set as a team, or is it going to draw us farther away? Our original target people in Laos is called the Mian. It's a group of about 20,000 people. We've now added another group. It's called the Titan, a very small group of about 400 people there in Laos. Both of these groups are, are mostly farmers, many of them living in high up in the mountains at elevations above 2,600 feet above sea level. And uh, because of these reasons and and others, um, we've decided that coffee is a good business for us to engage in. Uh, Mostly because one, it's gonna provide the people that we work with uh, a higher income than they could get growing any other uh, normal crop there. it can also be a, a crop that can help us as a business ourselves to be, be profitable. Um, and really, mostly, most importantly, it's something that can provide normal and consistent access for us to the people that we're trying to reach out to. So Saffron Coffee is the co- coffee company that we work with, and it's a crop-to-cup yeah, crop company. And what that means is that we work all the way from the seed, planting the seed, doing a coffee nursery, taking that up to to farmers, through crop care, all the way to harvest. And when harvest comes, we commit to purchasing 100% of that coffee back from them. Um, And then after we've bought the coffee from them, we continue the process all the way to roasted coffee. We also have a cafe on the Mekong River where we sell that final cup of coffee. So crop to cup, that's what it means. Um, So business. Business is an amazing way that can create an amazing amount of connections. So for us, we work with more than 750 coffee farming families in 36 different villages throughout northern Laos. And... Just that alone gives us the opportunity to connect with so many different people. We decided to not have a plantation, but to rather work with people for that specific purpose. 
One of the major ways that we connect with farmers is actually through us being a, an organic shade-grown coffee company. So in the past, we were certified organic through, through the government, the Department of Agriculture in Laos, and we've since decided to, to discontinue that and to do it on our own because we would rather make the decision that's going to help us to connect with people rather than give the government more connections with the people. So how that works is we have a, a department in our company. It's called the promotion department. All of those guys are believers, and they will go up into a village, and they will do an inspection, an organic inspection of each and every family's coffee plot. And as they're going through that coffee plot, they're looking for positive things, and they're looking for things that need to be worked on. And they're also just having normal conversation. And everybody likes to talk about the problems in their lives, right? So they go through that conversation, and as they finish, they go back to the farmer's house, and they go through the list of different things on the inspection. And at the end of that, they'll say, hey, you know, when we were talking, when we were out in the field, you mentioned this about your family. You talked about your mother's health or your children in school or financial issues. We are believers in Jesus Christ. We believe that God is a God that listens and cares and is able to move in our lives. Can we pray for you? And they pray for them. And afterwards, if people are interested to hear more, uh, our guys will continue and share the gospel with them. If they're not, then they'll just continue on to the next uh, inspection that they, they have to do. Another way that we uh, try to do outreach in Laos is when we don't have COVID, we try to do three to four different uh, training. Uh, it's called a discipleship, disciple-making movement trainings there at our company. So when we built our company, we built it with this thought in, in mind, and we added a room on the floor plan that we could have about 18 people come three to four times a year for a week-long training. And this training goes through you know, what, what God's mission is and what our mission as believers is and goes to the point of how to do evangelism and how to start a small, basically, house church there in, in Laos. So the, those guys will... That, that room is normally used for coffee work, and when the training comes, it gets converted into a training room. We also have our house on the coffee, on the coffee company property, so our house has a few extra rooms that we house the people in during the training. So just, again, trying to, to go through all of the different decisions that we make as a company intentionally and saying, what is going to bring us closer to being able to share the gospel with people that are around us? Um, that's a very small snippet about what we do, uh, and that's all I'm going to tell you for now. 
because today, as, as you've already heard, today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And um, so I'd like to talk about that a little bit. It is estimated that 360 million Christians around the world suffer high levels of persecution because of their faith. Some years ago, in a province called Saisambun in Laos, in a small village called Nasai, there lived a young man named, we'll call him Tex. He was addicted to drugs. He was at the end of his own ability. He didn't know what to do, but he heard about a man that had come to his village and he was sharing a new teaching. Not knowing exactly what it was, but knowing that he needed it, he went to that man and that very day became a believer in Jesus Christ. Um, And as he learned more and more, he began to join the others of this group and go out and share this message with his friends and his family and the church there in Nasai began to grow rapidly. Now, in a communist country, which Laos is, these kind of changes, this kind of growth does not go unnoticed for very long. And soon the authorities became involved. And in order to stop this growth and in order to crush the church, the police soon gathered all of the believers and had them come before the police one by one. Each one entered a room that was basically void of everything except for one table. And on that table, there were two sheets of paper. On the first sheet, it was a sheet that people were to sign if they would renounce their faith and leave their faith. On the other sheet, that was the sheet for them to sign if they refused to leave their faith. On top of that sheet was a handgun. All but three people that day signed the first sheet. Tex was one of the three. He was taken to prison, and after being in prison for some time, the prison came to a point where they had very few funds to take care of people, and so they decided to poison the prisoners. This is a true story. They decided to poison the prisoners, not just Tex, but all of them. So they came that night, they had the dinner, and people ate it, and all of them died, except for Tex. In fact, as he himself tells the story, he says, we went in there and the food was good. So I asked for seconds. He asked for seconds. And he had, he had seconds. And the next day, the same. And he didn't die. The guards didn't know what to do. 
So eventually, they just let him go. Those that had fallen away before, almost all of them returned, and today that group remains faithful in that town of Nasai. Persecution is not a new idea. It has been around basically since the beginning of mankind. We can find examples of it throughout both the New and the Old Testament uh, today. Uh, as I've been working through the New Testament and looking at different areas where it talks about per- persecution, which it is basically full of them, um, I've noticed a few trends I'd like to share with you. Number one, the first trend is persecution comes as a result of witnessing and evangelism. In Acts 3, you can find the story of Peter and John. It talks about Peter and John, and they heal a man at the gate, at the temple gate, the gate beautiful there. And because of this miracle, they are able to share with a large crowd of of people. Um, And because of that, then John and Peter are put into jail. Acts 5 talks about a man named Stephen, and he is also seized because of the witness that he had among people. Uh, in Nasai, Tex and those people had issues because not because they were sitting still and doing nothing, but because they were going out and they were sharing their faith. An interesting fact is the, the Greek word for witness is martus, which is the root word for our English word, martyr. Maybe you should think about that the next time you go out and share with your friend, right? <laughs> um, in fact, I think the number one best way for us to stop persecution in this world is basically for us to just stop sharing the gospel with our friends. If you don't want to have persecution, just stop. Stop practicing your faith, and there won't be persecution because of your faith as a Christian. Of course, that's not what uh, we see in Scripture, and we see Scripture encouraging us to do. In fact, um, the second trend that I have found reading through examples of persecution in the New Testament is that persecution comes actually also in order that in order to give more opportunity to witnessing and evangelism. Could there actually be a purpose for persecution? In Acts 10, sorry, Matthew 10, uh, it's telling the story of Jesus, Jesus is preparing the 12 apostles to get ready to go out and to, to go into the communities and share their faith. He's sending out the 12 um, to what he calls the lost sheep of Israel. And he, as he gives them instruction, he also gives them a warning. He says in verse 16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, 
You will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. Jesus goes on to say in verse 28, uh, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can both kill the soul and the body in hell. Um, Jesus is telling his disciples that he is purposely sending them out to encounter persecution so that they can be witnesses to the authorities and to the Gentiles. Can you imagine being one of those guys? Acts 4 continues the story of Peter and John with the two of them being brought before the high priest and being able to share with them being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says that as a result of that, more were added to their number. In Acts 7, the story of Stephen is continued. He is brought in front of the Sanhedrin, basically the Jewish high court, and witnesses to them through the use of scripture, Old Testament scripture, and witnesses to them about Jesus as the culmination of that. And because of that, Stephen is stoned, he dies, he's killed. But then, if you continue that story, uh, because of, of that day, persecution breaks out through juice, throughout Jerusalem. Excuse me. Throughout Jerusalem. And we see in Acts 8 that uh, as a result of that persecution, the church is scattered out to Judea and Samaria. But that church did not just retreat and hide, but in verse 4 it says that those that were scattered preached the word wherever they went, and as a result of that, especially through the work of a man named Philip, Samaria was reached with the gospel, with the word. We can see that in verse 14 where it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. We have so many different examples, like Michael told us earlier about Paul going in front of Agrippa. So many examples of when persecution comes, it actually gives more opportunity to share the gospel. Why that is, I don't know. But that seems to be the way it goes. A small group of families um, in a small village of Laos called Suanya. In English, that's translated into medicine uh, garden village, referring to uh, the cultivation of opium that used to happen in that village. Uh, as those people had become believers and they grew in their faith, they added to their numbers and they decided they wanted to build a church without submitting this request to the government, they began to build. And without, within a short time, the leaders found themselves being brought before the authorities for questioning and then sent to jail. 
At least one of them spent more than 30 days in a jail cell by himself in complete darkness before he was released again. You know, this is the kind of stuff that you would think would kill the church. The memory of persecution that had come and the fear of what might come next. But today, the church in Suanya, there's still no church building, is the largest Mian church in Laos. Is about 90% of the Mian people in that village are now believers. And this seems to be the trend, not the exception, not just in Laos, but in the Bible and around the world. There are stories, it's not something that happens every single time, but there's story after story after story that when persecution breaks out, the church grows. The result of persecution is often expanded witness and not a contraction of the church. So my, my last and my final observation here is that uh, the persecuted rarely, if ever, fought against their persecutors. But they were rather instructed to bless them. Romans 12, 14 says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. 1 Corinthians 4, 12 says, We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. We are called so that because of this, you were called. Sorry, let me say that again. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because of this, because to this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. I don't know about you, but this last observation that I have is not necessarily my favorite. Um, I'm an American and you know I like my rights to most of us as Americans our rights are king and more important than anything else when our rights are violated we're not happy I'm not happy when my rights are violated One of the responsibilities that I had when I first went to Laos about 12 years ago was to go through the country and to survey where all of the Mian people lived throughout northern Laos. There's about 41 villages. So I went to each and every Mian villages and I went there to collect information like location, population, were there any Christians, were there any leaders, was there a church in that that place. An older man named Tseng Sui went with me on many of these trips. Tseng Sui was a very quiet man, a very humble man. 
One time, uh, we had been out surveying villages. We'd already gone to seven villages throughout the last few previous days. Um, And we had just now arrived at the eighth village. And this eighth village, it was amazing. Almost 100% of the people in this village were believers. So because of this, we became, I at least became a little bit more comfortable and open in the questions that we asked of the people there, not knowing that one of the people sitting there was the village chief who was not a believer. So soon after that, we found ourselves in my truck being driven to the district capital by the district police to a guest house and then left there watching as my truck drove down the road without us. The next day, first at the district police station and then later at the provincial police station, we were questioned for hours. Now, true to my American upbringing, I was uncooperative, resistant, and visibly irritated. Tseng Sui, on the other hand, was calm, patient, and seemingly unfazed by any of this, which is also irritating. Um, As the day wore on and we were separated and interviewed individually, while I gave my assessment of the situation and my statement about the unjust treatment that we'd been given, In another room with the police chief, Tseng Sui was given the opportunity to give his testimony and to share the gospel. I didn't get the opportunity to share the gospel with anyone that day. In the kingdom of God, Our rights actually are not the most important thing in the world. His glory, his honor, our fellow creation is. Even if they are the source of our persecution. Our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, I believe, are the heroes of our faith. They are not looking necessarily for our pity, but they are looking for our prayer and our encouragement and our support. I'd like to pray for them right now. Father God, 
here at Westside Bible, a part of your body. We thank you that you've given us the opportunity to hear your gospel in freedom and to choose to follow you. Father, we pray right now for the people around the world that do not have those freedoms, that are feeling at the, the, the end of their rope, not sure what is going to happen tomorrow. Father, I pray that you would give them courage, that you would give them endurance, that you would give them the ability to go one more day with complete faith in you. Father, let their example be an example to us as we think of our neighbors, we think of the people that are around us, the people here in, uh, in this area that don't know you. Give us the courage to step out of our doors into that, that space. Father, we, we love you and you are worthy. Give us, the courage to, give us the courage to honor you in every way that we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Todd. Um, that was just really encouraging to hear. And um, uh, one of the things that I, I heard from one of my professors the last couple weeks was um, uh, forsake your liberty for the sake of the gospel. And, you know, how we handle and conduct ourselves um, while we face persecution is just a huge way of what will come out of that persecution. And um, I, I just think that that's something that we need to remember. And I, I think that uh, that what was shared today was just fantastic. Um, a couple of things. Back there is a booth with a bunch of information about his ministry, his business. Um, go check it out. It's coffee. We all love coffee. I love coffee. Um, uh, also remember to be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world. And um, uh, be in fellowship today and say hi to some people you haven't said hi to yet. So, all right. Bye, guys.